Amen. Thanks, Jack. Awesome. Awesome. Come on. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Can anybody say amen, amen. and amen? Come on, give it up one more time for uh, the gang from Mount Zion. Come on, worshiping with us, leading us. Come on, everybody. And yeah, man, that song, like Jack said, and everybody's already sang. You know, Kimberly said it. Uh, Leo sang it. The guys sang it. The girls sang it. He is more than enough. Come on, everybody. He's, there's just a commonality, a thread of that, that he is more than enough. In fact... I uh, don't want to preach that, but I could probably preach that in just a minute, but, but, but I don't want to get off my message right now. But in Genesis chapter 22, come on, y'all remember the story that, that Abraham climbed that mountain that God told him to climb with his son Isaac, whom God said, go up to the mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. Remember that? He had believed for 25 years for this dude, Isaac, and God says, now you take him and you offer him to me. That's crazy to think about. Crazy. And, and, and I, I, uh, the Bible says Abraham got his donkey, got, 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 got his servant. He got some wood. He got some fire. He got a knife. He got his son. And they went off three days journey up to Mount Moriah. Three days, type of Calvary, type of Jesus going to the cross in the grave for how many days? Goes up to Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is the place called Calvary. And he climbs that mountain and he takes his son, his one and only son, and gets that knife over the top of him like he's going to kill him. And the angel of the Lord caught his hand, said, don't do it. For now I know you fear God, you reverence God, you honor God. And the Bible says at that time when the angel stopped him, the Bible says, Abraham's eyes looked over and there was a ram caught by the horns in the thicket bushes. And God told him, get that ram and take your son off the altar, put that ram on the altar and offer that ram to God as holy. When he did that, the scripture says, Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh. Listen to me. God didn't name it Jehovah-Jireh. Abraham named it Jehovah-Jireh. You need to call your place Jehovah-Jireh. What does that mean? It means, read it, Genesis 22. In the mountain of God, God will provide. Come on, somebody. In the mountain of God. Come on. In the mountain of God, God's going to provide. Come on. He is a provider. But you, many times, and me, we got to climb in obedience. We got to follow the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. And God's always got a remedy. He's always got an answer. Amen, everybody? Woo! So let me encourage you. What are you calling what you're facing that looks impossible? I would encourage you to call it Jehovah Jireh. God's going to provide. Come on, somebody say it with me. God's going to provide. Come on, God's going to provide. He's going to give me everything I need. Come on. He's going to provide the finance. He's going to provide the health. He's going to provide the wisdom. He's going to give me the knowledge. He's going to give me the favor. He's going to give me the grace. He's going to give me the mercy. God will provide. Come on, God will provide. He's going to provide. That's just who he is. Amen. Well, glad you're here with us online as well. Today, we're going to button up this three-week series called Believe No Lies. Hang on to your seat, because what we're going to do today is we're going to dig into the scripture, and we're going to take you through a collegiate course in theology for these three things today. So get out your phone, get out your paper, write some of these scriptures down, because I believe it's really going to help you uh, concerning the time that we are in. We are in a crazy time where anybody who's got a microphone will spout out what they think is truth and people will have an ear to that and lean toward that, whether it's a Hollywood actor, whether it's a politician, whether it's somebody that's just got a big voice or got a lot of Instagram followers and people will say, 
Christians will say, that's gospel when it's not gospel. You and I need to discern the times, need to discern the voices, need to discern the, the, the life and the lifestyle of people that we are listening to because Jesus said, you're not just going to know somebody by what they say, but by what they do. Come on, somebody. So you can get behind a microphone and say whatever you want to say, but we're going to uncover, we're going to open up the door of your life, of my life, of anybody's life, that actor, that politician, that, that big voice that you're listening to. And what is your life saying and doing about what you say to be true? Because you live out what you and I really believe. And we're going to be people who believe no lies. We're going to be people who make it to the finish line. And we're not going to be people who just look for the fashionistas and whoever's saying what to believe what their truth is, what they say to be truth. We're going to go to the word of God. Come on, everybody. We're going to let the word of God, the authority of the word of God be the final say in our life. Can everybody say amen? Uh, again, it seems like in our day and age, anybody who's got a view seems to be like a Christian now or somebody that says they're a Christian, that what they say is kind of uh, coincided with like, well, that must be Bible. <laughs> and how I many of you figured, even if a Christian says something where they say they're a Christian and their view of what they say is the Bible might not really be what the Bible says. So I want to encourage you again as we button up this series, go to the word of God. Let the word of God be your final say, because what we have in this generation is what I call household theologians. Everybody's a theologian. Everybody's got a view. Everybody's views right. And it might not be right. So we've got to teach our young people. Come on. When we send them in high school, we take them junior high and we, and dear God, for sure, when we get them off to college, we got to make sure that they're grounded in the truth because they're not going to hear it in the secular humanistic universities and high schools and, 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 and education establishments. We've got to have our kids grounded in the truth. Can all the parents say amen? amen. Believe no lies. What I want to do is I read an article several months ago, and it was talking about heresies. Here's what was kind of weird. It was heresies uh, 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 among American evangelicals. An evangelical is somebody that believes the scripture, but say they believe the scripture. They've given their heart to Jesus, and they believe what the Bible says, or they should believe what the Bible says. And the title is kind of disarming. Heresies that evangelical Christians believe. And let me just kind of give you a definition that I wrote down here for what a heresy is. A heresy is an opinion, a denial, a deviation, a doctrine, a practice contrary to the revealed truth and generally accepted biblical beliefs. So, so a heresy is something that might kind of sound okay, but it's really not okay. It might have kind of some, some similitude of the doctrine of the scripture, but it is not the Bible doctrine from, from, from A to Z, we would say. And, and, it, and it's heretical. It, it's just not true. And, and there are some things that somebody can believe you know, that just don't matter a whole lot, but there's some foundational truths of the word of God that you must believe for your, can I say it this way? We don't go this, we don't go too deep too early, but I'm going deep right now. You got some things that you got to believe so that you get to heaven. You just can't believe any old thing. You just can't have any old lifestyle. You, you, you got to make sure that your belief structure is grounded in scripture. Or you and I will go through life and we will believe a lie and our, man, our eternal redemption might be suspect. So my job as your pastor today, come on, we're going to get in the middle of all our business and we're going to go to the scripture and we're going to look at so many scriptures, it's going to cause spit to come out of your mouth. Let me tell you, I want to encourage you to write some stuff down. Listen to this, 53% of the United States now believe that the scriptures are not literally true. 53%. Every year, that percentage keeps going up. Parents, listen to me. In a couple of years, 10 years, it'll be 73%. This isn't going down. This is getting worse. The United States is no longer considered a quote-unquote Christian nation. We might have some Christian values, we've got some morality, we've got some things going on, but the United States is not a Christian nation. 53% of the United States, folks in the United States, do not believe the literal scriptures to be completely true. And now that might not be too alarming, but this stat should be alarming, and that's this, is that 26% of evangelicals say the Bible is not literally true. 
So 53%, half of, over half of America, but now a quarter of people who go to church, who give their life to Jesus, who say, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Somehow, some way they believe that, but they don't believe 25%, 26% don't believe the Bible is literally true. You'll hear stuff like this. You'll hear stuff like the, like the Bible contains sacred writings. It contains myths. It contains poetry. It, it contains literally, literature, but it's not to be taken literally true. <laughs> and so we, we talked about, we jumped on this series two weeks ago. Last week, we actually talked about five lies of identity. But the, the, the beginning week that we started two weeks ago, we talked about this word called relativism. So let me give you this little bit different definition of relativism concerning what we're talking about right now. And concerning this, here's what it says, and here's what, what it sets us up for, sets society up for, and you and me and kids in school, etc. This makes it easy for individuals who, who say they believe God or believe the Word of God to accept biblical teaching that they agree with. That's the big word, that they agree with, while simultaneously rejecting any biblical teaching that challenges them or makes them feel uncomfortable with their own beliefs and view. That is relativism. I believe this, but I don't believe this. I, I, I believe Jesus will save me, but I also don't believe that he wants me to deal with sin over here. I, I believe this is okay. Uh, 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 this is okay for me to have whatever this in my life and, and have this lifestyle or, or have this belief, but, but I want this as well. Listen to me. It's all or nothing. Relativism says you can have it all, you can have your cake, and you can have your icing, and the cherry on top, eat it all. Don't, you can do whatever you want to do. God loves you, he's for you, he's a good God, and if you have some funny, funky beliefs or whatever, no, listen to me, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, you've got to eat my flesh, Jesus said in John 6, and you got to drink my blood. you got to be all in because I went all in for you. Can somebody help a preacher up here today and say amen? So what I want to do today is I don't want to bore you with a bunch of heresies. I just want to give you the top three that I think are top three heresies that we need to watch out for. Things that in your own life, in my own life, as we teach our kids, as we raise up the next generation, our kids, our grandkids, as you just kind of look back in your own life, some things that we have to just, these are our grounded things, foundational things in your and my life that must, we just got to keep coming back to it because I'm just telling you, the line just keeps getting blurred. It just keeps, the sand or the waves of the ocean, the waves of the world just keep blurring all this stuff that we need to come back to saying, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, because it is written. Here's the first one I want to drive into your heart this morning is this. Uh, the first heresy is that Jesus isn't the only way to God. This is the first heresy. This is the first heresy. Now, now, you might look at that, you in the room, you online, and you might go, well, dear God, I'm in the room, I believe Jesus is the Lord, I believe Jesus is the only way to God. But, but here's the alarming stat, check it out. 56%, 56% of the evangelical respondents affirmed God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Listen to me. He does not. He does not. He does not. There is only one way, and his name is Jesus. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not a crystal in Flagstaff or wherever Sedona. Not going to the beach, as a brother told me yesterday or a couple days ago when I was in an event. And he said, yeah, you know, my, my dad used to go to church and, and we went to church growing up. And then he kind of got sideways in church when we were little boys. And we, we were raised in a certain, certain church and, and something happened. He kind of went sideways with the preacher or the pastor or the church, the denomination. And so he said, all growing up, uh, uh, he said, the lake became our church. The lake became our God. God is not a lake. You can meet God there, but God is not a lake. The lake won't save you. The lake might refresh you for a moment, 
but the lake has no eternal life in it. Jesus, again, the heresy says Jesus isn't the only way to God. 56% of the people, evangelical people, they go to church every week or two times a month. They say God accepts all religions. God accepts every group. Name it whatever you want to name it. They're all accepted by God. This approach to this topic is what is called universalism. Universalism believes that there are ways to bypass Jesus in your and my approach to God. Here's what universalism says. Universalism says everyone will eventually be saved. Listen to me. This can be no further than the, from the truth. Not everybody will be saved. What you believe and who you believe in on this earth determines your eternal destiny. Can somebody say amen? amen. Again, this is the bent. The world has a bent towards universalism. Well, you're telling me God's good. If God's good, then we all good. That's not what the Bible says, and we'll talk about that in a moment. We know from John 14 that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We've talked about that the very first week, two weeks ago. That Jesus was chosen by God to bear our sin. He was born of a virgin. He was not stained by mankind's sin nature. Jesus was and is perfect. He was the only one who could pay for mankind's sin and make us right with God. The scripture tells us that. The validity and proof of that was in Jesus' resurrection and in Jesus' ascension. I believe he was raised from the dead on that third day. I believe he was seen, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, by over 500 people, he was seen alive. Come on, come on. if we were in a court of law and there were 500 people came up in here and said, now I'm not talking about one, I'm not talking about Peter, I'm not talking about John, I'm not talking about James, I'm not talking about some of his homies. Come on, some of his close friends, some of his guys that hung out with him for three years. I'm talking about folks going to Walmart and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. 500 of them before a judge. It is an open and shut case. Yes, he rose from the dead. Yes, he is the son of God. Come on. Yes, he is the same. If he rose from the dead, that proves what the scriptures say. Muhammad didn't rise from the dead. Hare Krishna didn't rise from the dead. Nobody else, from, listen, nobody else of any other, whatever, any book, any man named Smith, anybody from what, they didn't rise from the dead. Jesus Christ proved he is the son of God. Can somebody say amen? So the heresy is there's all kind of ways to God. When the scripture says that's just not true. First Timothy chapter two, verse five says there is one God, and one mediator between God and men. The man, come on, somebody say the man. The man, Christ Jesus. Jesus came as a man. The man, Christ Jesus. And now he has entered as a mediator between God and man in his death, burial, and resurrection. Hebrews 9, 12 says this, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He has obtained eternal redemption for you and I with his own blood, blood that was not stained by the sin nature of man or mankind. Jesus was and is perfectly perfect, perfectly holy perfectly righteous, perfectly beautiful. Come on, somebody. He was the only one who could bring us back in right standing with the Father. And the scripture tells us here in the book of Hebrews, when we read the Old Testament, this foreshadowing of what Jesus would do in his death, burial, and resurrection, that the high priest would go in one time a year without the sprinkling of blood. There could be no remission of sins, it says, and they would kill an animal, and they would sprinkle all those things in that, in that whole 
holy place. They, they had to have blood to go in and glory to God. The sins of the people of the nation of Israel would be remitted, would be covered for a year. But now the Bible says Jesus Christ didn't go into that place, that tabernacle. He went into heaven itself and he has appeared before God and he brought his blood so that now we could have eternal redemption forever and ever. Come on, we're not known by our sin. We're not known by our shame. We're not known by our guilt. We're known by the blood of Jesus. Come on, everybody. Wow. Right standing with God only comes through faith in the blood of Jesus. That's how it comes. How, how do I have a right to stand with God? It doesn't come by your and my works. It doesn't come by our ability. It doesn't come by how long we've been in church, how many Bible verses we know or what we give. It only comes by and through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on. Amen. Let's dig a little deeper here. Just give you a couple more scriptures since we're in Bible school this morning. First John chapter two, verse two. Again, it's all throughout the Bible. This tells us, the apostle John says, he himself, meaning Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Atone means covers our sins, removes our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. There is nobody else alive that could have done this. Because again, the standard for a person to do this had to be they are different than us. They are perfect. They are free from the stain of sin. And Jesus Christ himself was the only one that could do this. The scripture says when you read the book of Hebrews, I encourage you to read it. Phenomenal book. He says it gives this account of this correspondence, this communication in heaven. And Jesus says it's in Jesus' voice. You won't, you won't say Jesus said. It just said, here I am. I've come to do your will, oh God. Your law, your word is written in my heart. Jesus came to earth because he wanted to redeem you and I from the hold and dominion of Satan. And his blood has forever broken that hold off of our life. Listen to me. Jesus was and is the perfect sacrifice. He always will be. He's all you ever need. Come on, somebody. He, there, there is no other way to God besides the man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Come on, let's give you one more scripture. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says this. Because God's children are human beings, that's us, made of flesh and blood, that's us, the Son, come on, who's the Son? Come on, what's his name? Jesus also became flesh and blood. When did he become flesh and blood? When he was born in Bethlehem. He became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. You can't kill God. But as a human being, he could die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil. And so Jesus was the only one who could bring you back to right standing with God because God said, as we sung this morning so beautifully, I want you to be my friend. I want to be in relationship with you as a father to a son. And now, listen, I want you to get this revelation is that now Jesus is like your and my big brother. Our big brother took on flesh. Our big brother, Jesus, came to the earth. Our big brother, Jesus, died in our place. And forever and ever, we're going to be in heaven worshiping Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. Man, fear of dying. What's going to happen at death? What's going to happen in my life? How, how's this going to look? How's it going to turn out? No more fear in death. Jesus went ahead of us. And Jesus, as King of kings and Lord of lords, is God and has, has eternally secured our redemption before God. There is no other way, no other person. He isn't, he isn't the way. Come, come on, he, he, isn't, he isn't one of the ways. He is the way. Amen. One more, and then we're going to dig on to the next one. Romans chapter 1. Paul starts his letter to the Roman church, and he says in, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, 
He says the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, notice, his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, that line, that lineage. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He had, he always was in eternity, but he had a natural beginning, a natural birthday, we would say. And he had a day that he died naturally, but he lived forever. He lived forever. Jesus Christ is the only one who could bring you and I back into right standing with God. Second heresy that they found that I think is noteworthy amongst several dovetails with this thought. That might mean something that you haven't come across, but it's something that's out there. And here it is, is that Jesus was created by God and he wasn't God. He was created by God and he wasn't God. An alarming statistic. 73% of Christians polled believe that Jesus is the first and greatest being, check it out, created by God. Listen, Jesus wasn't created by God. Jesus was and is God. Hard for us to imagine God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three separate but three completely one. Always have been, always will be. Never created, always were. Listen, come on. That little emoji with the head blown off. Come on, somebody. Come on. Or a slurpee freeze. Right? I think about it. Listen, I've been reading this for decades now. I'm still blown away by that. How can that be? It's beyond my comprehension. I, you, we, we just got to believe it by faith. Because the validity of the scripture says it. And when we lean into it, we get a chance to enjoy the benefits of it. That he always has been. Listen to me. He's in my future. He was in my past. And so as we sung that song today, Jehovah Jireh, Jireh, you're more than enough. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because you're already there. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to worry about how you're going to handle this thing. I'm going to look to you, talk to you, pray to you. And you're working in the middle of it, even though I can't see, because you know the end from the beginning. You're Alpha and Omega. Come on, you're the beginning and the end. So I'm going to just trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my lazy boy and chill out and just believe God. Amen. Jesus was not created by God. He always was. From the very beginning. John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And come on, read it with me. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In the beginning, before time was. In the beginning, before Genesis 1, 1 record. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before there was, there was always God. Come on, help me out. Preach to me a little bit. Come on. Before there was, there was always he always was. He always was. So listen to me. You and I are just required to believe God. Believe God. He wasn't created by God. They say, and he wasn't God. No, no, he always was. God didn't one day, God the Father didn't say, okay, um, because here's where, the, here's where the theory comes from. In some other religions, is that Satan, who was Lucifer, and Jesus are brothers. And they were created, Lucifer's an angel, they were created by God. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Big old white long finger. No, 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 no. <laughs> Lucifer, yes, was created by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Just like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created Michael the angel, created Gabriel the angel, and created all them angels. But Jesus was not one of God's creations. He is God. He always was. 
Come on, everybody. He always was. Well, 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 well I don't believe that. Well, then, then, then we got a problem with the Bible. We got a problem with the Bible. We got a problem with the Bible. Don't be one of those percentages I talked to you about that, that say you believe it and you're picking and choosing. You've got to believe it all. Come on, you got to finish your whole plate. Colossians 2.9 says this. Check it out. Colossians 2.9. I think we're going to get it. Here we go. Come on, read this with me. It, come on, when I got it all in yellow, it means something special. This whole thing's in yellow. Do you see that? Come on, let's read it out loud. One, two, three, read. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, where? Come on, where? Bodily means on the earth bodily, right? Bodily, physical body. Jesus had all the fullness of God in his physical body while he's walking on the earth. After he was anointed, baptized by John the Baptist, after he began, when he began his earthly ministry, come on, the Holy Spirit came on him in a powerful way. But listen to me, at birth, the second he was born, the fullness of God was in him bodily. Bodily. Always was God. Always will be God. Everything, listen, I, I wrote this down. I don't know if it makes sense, but it came out sense when I wrote it, so I gave it to you. Everything that made God, God, was also exactly the same in Jesus. Does that make sense? Everything that made God the Father, God the Father, was exactly in the Son, Jesus. How God the Father thought, Jesus thought. How God the Father spoke, Jesus spoke. What God the Father would do, if God the Father was walking there in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria, wherever he was, is exactly what God the Father would do. How God the Father would save or heal or deliver or walk on the water or stop the storm or multiply loaves and fishes or heal blind Bartimaeus was exactly what God the Father would do. What Jesus did when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, exactly what God the Father would do because they are one exact, you cannot separate them out, What they are identical. You want to see, Jesus said, you want to see the Father? You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Woo! Come on, everybody. I'm getting fired up in here. Come on. Philippians chapter 2, starting about verse 5, says this. Jesus humbled himself by becoming human. He set aside his rights and his privileges, and God took on him the limitations and weaknesses born to a naturally born person. He took on himself all the weaknesses, all the limitations, all the time constraints, all the stuff as a natural born person. Listen, the pre-existent Christ was not created at the incarnation. One more time. The pre-existent Christ was not created at the incarnation. His divine nature remained intact. When he came, his divine nature remained intact. This is another one of those emojis, your head gets blown off. He was 100% God and 100% man. The only one, the only one. At that particular point in human history, which the scripture Paul calls it the fullness of time, the eternal son took on the human nature of flesh. He, was always, he always existed as God, but when God said, it's time for you to come, Jesus came, born of the virgin, born, submitted under his father Joseph, lived there, was raised there, did what he was called to do. Then at 30 years of age, he began his public ministry. Now, there's another scripture that flips people's noodles out because it says one word. Let me give it to you. In, in John chapter 3, verse 16, come on, we know the scripture. For God so loved the world, come on, help me out, that he gave his only begotten son. Begotten son. Gave his only begotten son. And so people say, well, you know, now you're telling me up in here that he wasn't created by God, but the Bible says that he was begotten. He was begotten by God. In other words, he was created by God. He came through God the Father, but that's not what the word means. What begotten means was that he was the only one of his kind with a specific relationship with the Father. 
the only one. He was begotten. He was not, it means he was not produced or created by the Father, but he holds this only place with the Father that no one else does because he always was from the beginning with the Father. 43% of these people that they polled said, we believe he's a great teacher. These are Christians, evangelicals. They, we, 43%, we believe he's a great teacher. He's just not divine. Listen, if he's not divine, then you're divinely damned. You and I are still in our sin. We needed somebody who was holy, who was righteous, who was pure, who was one with God the Father, who could redeem us, and he did, and his name is Jesus. Amen, everybody? Come on, one more scripture right here. Come on, one more right here. Then we're moving on to the last one. Everybody still with me this morning? All right. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Gosh, I love the book of Hebrews. Check it out. Hebrews 1, 3. He, meaning Jesus, reflects the brightness of God's glory and is the exact likeness of God's own being. Exact likeness. This is Jesus. Sustaining the universe with his powerful word. After achieving forgiveness for our sins, and all human beings. He sat down in heaven at the right side of God, the supreme power. My Lord, my Lord. He is the exact likeness of God's own being. Man, he forgave our sins and all human beings. There's only one that could do this. The one who was not stained by sin. And his name is Jesus. I'm going to say it like you mean it, church. Let him hear you online. Jesus. Man, y'all sounding good. Come on, y'all sounding good. There's many heresies. One more that we're going to give you this morning because I want you to go home full and come back next week. Here's a third one that is just as damning as these other two that we've heard. And here it is, is that humans are not sinful by nature. This is a heresy. Humans are not sinful by nature. 53, or excuse me, 57%, 57% of evangelicals believe that statement. They believe this statement. Everybody sins a little. Everybody sins a little. But most people have a good nature. They're just a good nature. And, and I would tend to agree that there are a lot of people with a good nature. They, they've, got, they've got morals that are good. They're, 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 but... but, but we're not good by nature. Listen to me. We're sinful by nature. I always laugh when I say it. You might go, dear God, I've heard you say it a hundred times. Well, here's 101. Uh, we take you down to the nursery today. Or you go home today with your little toddlers. And you get your, you get your five-year-old playing next to your two-year-old. And you put some toys on the ground. Somebody's going to grab the toys and start bringing them to themselves. And then when somebody else tries to come get the toys, somebody's going to get the plastic hammer, and we're going to have hammer time. Come on, come on. Why? Because there's sin in every little child. You don't pray for it. It's just there. It's just there. And no matter how good anybody is, you and I are not good enough to have relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to surrender our life to the only one who was and is good and then live out that goodness that he's given us through the scripture that we can find and say, I want my life to change. I'm going to work out my own salvation. I'm going I'm to follow you and serve you, but I am not going to heaven and neither are you based on your own good works. Man. If we believe this statement that humans aren't sinful by nature, it leads to this false belief, and here it is, that good people go to heaven. I've got an aunt who's 92 that lives in Connecticut. I talked to her about two weeks ago, right before we went to Tennessee to see my mom, who's 88. So I'm living a long time, by the way, so just don't check out on me. Um, uh, and I was talking to her, and she, of course, she knows I'm a pastor, and she's been, anytime we'd go to Connecticut, you know, as a kid growing up, they're always in church. Um, I'm not trying to throw shade at her, but um, she doesn't believe all the Bible. And so while we're talking on the phone, every time we talk, come on, how many know out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks? 
when you get around certain people and they're always talking the same stuff, can I tell you, they're dealing with it. And she says, well, you know, you know, Gary, I told you all my life, I've told you that I just think, you know, I, I don't really believe it like you believe it. I just think that if you're good enough, if you're good, you're going to go to heaven. And I'm going, Auntie Barb, it's just not what it says. We're all sinful by nature. And the only way we can have a relationship with God and live eternally with him is to surrender our life, not by our own goodness, but by and to the one who is perfectly good. Amen, everybody? So this doctrine actually denies what the scripture, we're not scripture, but what people, theologians call original sin. It, it denies the doctrine. So, so the false theory is this, is that uh, um, uh, people are sinful and, and people make bad choices based on environmental behaviors based on what's going on environmentally around. They, they were raised in the wrong side of tracks, you know. They were raised in a tough neighborhood. They were raised in poverty. Uh, daddy was in jail. Mama was a prostitute. There was addiction. And so, you know, that, that, that's just around them. And that passed down to them, and, and the, the child. And so they grew up, and, and now, now they are just a product of their environment, which we do see a lot of that. But, but that is not what makes somebody a sinner or sinful. We are sinners because we have a sin nature. We're born in the earth with a sin nature. Listen to me. In the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, it is called perfect. And in this perfect society, we would call it, the Bible says that Adam willfully chose to sin against God. Environmentally, perfect. Maritally, perfect. Perfect food, perfect uh, air, perfect water, perfect environment. Had everything he needed, perfect relationship with God, but he chose to sin. So that should tell you, inside every one of us, in this human earthly experience, there is a nature that wants to do the wrong thing until we surrender to the right way. And his name is Jesus. Come on, man, you guys are getting it. Come on, man, I'm telling you. Psalm 142, verse 2 and 3. Psalm 14 or whatever we said there. Yeah, Psalm 14, excuse me. The Lord looks down from heaven, look at this, on all mankind, to see if there is anyone who understands or anyone who seeks God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. You and I are not saved by our good works. We're not saved by what we could do or couldn't do. The Bible says, King David says, I was born in sin. I was born in sin. Maybe you've heard this phrase that humanity, scripturally, is totally depraved. All of us, totally depraved. You're not born good. That little sweet baby, that little cute little light brown skin, that little cute little curly little black hair, those are, that's a sinner right there. That's who that is. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's a little eating, pooping, come on, somebody. A little sinner right there. Cute as heck. Pictures, dress them up for Christmas, put a little costume on it. That's a sinner right there. Come on, somebody. We're all laughing, but it's true. It's true. They're born in sin. We're born in sin. We're born this way. Come on. Let's just admit it. We're, but we, we're not hopeless. Come on, somebody wave your hand in the air. We're not hopeless. We got Jesus. <laughs> Come on, a couple more scriptures. The piano has started so I know I'm winding down. Come on, I got to give you a couple more. Come on, we're, we're Bible people up in here. Come on, we're Bible people up in here. Come on, we're Bible people up in here. We, we don't, we don't uh, look our fingers and say, what's society doing? What's society believing? What's the latest? What's the greatest? What's the hype? Oh, I believe that. Oh, I believe that. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to believe the Bible up in here. Come on. Yeah. Romans 5, 12, one of the greatest scriptures Paul tells us, and I've got it in the Amplified Bible for you. Look at it. Come on, you know the Amplified Bible? You know what they call it, the Amplified Bible? Because it's the woman's translation. Because it's got a lot of words. Come on, everybody, here we go. 
That was for Kimberly. Here we go. Therefore, only kidding. Therefore, as sin came into the world, check it out, through who? Okay, stop right there. Come on, we in Bible school today. Yeah, and don't say it if you don't know it, but, but who is the one man that sin came into the world through? Adam. Adam sin. we just talked about it. Through one man. Do, do you know that the name Adam means man? That's what it means. So when God made Adam, he made man. Let's say it this way. He made mankind. Whatever Adam did, God said, everybody would have done in the same situation. You would have done it, I would have done it. I would have done it, you would have done it. Death came as a result of that sin. Death means, let, let me ask you this, come on, we in Bible school. Did Adam die physically when he sinned? How did he die then? What's the death he's talking about? Spiritually, he was separated from God. How do you know? When he was separated from God, all of a sudden he looks at his wife who was clothed in glory and he was too and goes, we naked up in here saw stuff they never saw before, were ashamed of the way they looked before. Fearful, how you know they were fearful? They hid from God. That's what sin does. Sin tries to cover, sin tries to hide, sin tries to make its own way through life. And God says, I've got another way. Even though there's a sin nature there, I'm gonna redeem you. I'm gonna redeem you. Death spread to all men. Check it out. No one was being able or no one was able to stop it or escape its power because all men sinned. No man, can't stop it. It's here. No matter how much education, no matter, no matter how many bots Elon Musk makes, no matter how many SpaceX rockets go up, no matter what kind of galaxy, no matter what science says or does, no, no matter how far we get in any realm, we are born in this earth sinners. Sinners in need of a savior. And there's only one way. There's only one person that could do this. Only one person that could redeem us. And his name is Jesus. Paul writes, we'll read in Ephesians chapter two, Amy, I think I last scripture, let's jump there. Let's give you the good news. It says in Ephesians chapter two, and you, he made alive. Come on. Maybe right now today, you're kind of going through something and the old bones of the old life are trying to shackle themselves to you again. I want to encourage you, shake it off. Maybe just these, these three words jump out at you for the rest of the week. He made you alive. He made you alive. When you and I were dead in trespasses and sins, in what we once walked, Paul says, well, come on, we all walked this way. We all walked separated from God. We walked according to the course of the world, what everybody was doing, according to the prince of the power of the air, the demonic spirit, man, who's now working in the sons of disobedience. There, there is a, there's a demonic spirit that's out working. You know that? It, it was working to me. It was working in you. It's out there. It's working to people who don't, don't surrender their life to Jesus. He, he says, among whom we all once conducted ourselves that way. So, so, so there's got to be something in our lives that as we look at people who don't know Jesus and not finger pointing, not, not, not calling them out and calling them down, but we need to be people that say, I was just like that. I was just like that. So my nature, my, my heart is gonna be mercy and grace. I wanna pray for you and I wanna, I wanna be there with you. And I, wanna, I wanna bring you Jesus because that's exactly my lifestyle as well. We were all in the lust of the flesh. We fulfilled the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were, check it out, by nature, by nature, children of wrath, by nature. Didn't do anything right, didn't do anything wrong. By nature, born in this earth, we were separated from God. But thank God he doesn't leave us there. But God, come on, say me, but God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. 
Check it out. Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Come on, read it out. By grace, you have been, come on somebody, saved. Come on, say it again. By grace, you have been saved. Come on, one more time. By grace, you have been saved. Glory to God. We're going to resist these heresies. We're not going to succumb to it. That there's other ways to God. We're not going to succumb that, you know, everybody's just, you know, everybody's pretty good. Everybody's good. Good people go to heaven. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, they don't. If you believe good people to go to heaven, you're probably the person that believes cats go to heaven. No cats going to heaven. I can tell you right now. Maybe a dog, but not a cat. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Got a cat at my house right now. I'm just telling you. Anyway. <laughs> The good news of salvation. Paul says this, he became sin who knew no sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. One more time. He became sin, he wasn't sin, he took it on his flesh. When? At the cross. He became sin who knew no sin, This is called the great exchange. He became sin and he gave you his righteousness. He took on your and my nature so you could have his purity. He took on your flesh so you could have Christ's wholeness. The great exchange. Did you work for it? How can I work for this? How could I pay for this? What could I do other than just saying, As Isaiah says, our right standing before him was like filthy, soiled rags. Man. But now, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, who always was with the Father, said, in the volume of the book, it's written of me, I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. I will go at your appointed time and I will take on flesh and I'll submit myself to natural parents and I will surrender my life to the will of God and I will redeem mankind that was lost and bound in sin. And forever and ever, we'll be praising him. Come on, somebody, forever and ever. Come on, say amen. Come on, forever and ever. Woo! We'll be praising him. Come on. You've been sitting for a long time. Let's do this. Stand up, everybody in the room. Let's pray. If you're away from God today, come on. Today, your heart needs to be drawn back to him. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, today is a day that you just need to say yes because he's already said yes to you. He's already said he wants you. So in the room and online, I want to encourage everybody across the room, if this is you, pray this prayer after me. Say this with me, all the church. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord. Be my Savior forever and ever. I repent. I change my mind. I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, everybody, clap their hands, all you people. Come on, everybody. God's good. Come on, he still saves us. He still delivers us. He still restores us.